Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and if you recognize that theme song, you know exactly what time it is. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus, and we're so glad to be able to come to you through the World Wide Web and through our website and to share a Bible study that I believe God is going to to bless you with as it blesses me as we share it. You know, the scripture says the husbandman is to be the first partaker of the fruit, and I believe that God's word Word every time I share it with others, I am I'm receiving it for myself first and foremost. I've I have said to our congregation many times. I've often preached a sermon that I uh, that put me in an altar that put me in a place of prayer for my own shortcomings or my own needs, my own areas that needed shoring up. And I never, ever, ever want to lose that humility that allows for a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that I can be as convicted as anyone else because I am not a spiritual superman, uh, because I am called to a office of leadership. In fact, I share a greater deal of responsibility to live the faith that I'm declaring because I am in spiritual leadership today. Uh, So I want to be very cautioned uh, as I bring the Word of God, particularly in the area of correction and rebuke and reproof, because the Scripture is given for those reasons, not just instruction in righteousness, but also for the rebuke of that in our life uh, that is contrary to the revealed will of God in His Word. The reproof that is essential uh, to preaching and declaring the whole counsel of God. It's never comfortable. I've uh, I've often told our congregation uh, here where this broadcast originates that, you know, a doctor will say, uh, you know, this may sting a little bit, or a dentist. Well, if he was very honest, he would say, this is really going to hurt, <laughs> but he don't want you to tense up any more than you are. And I want to make it very, very clear uh, that th- that that hurts hurts our flesh, that fleshly part of us that we're told to to crucify in order to follow Christ. Take up your cross means to crucify the flesh and the lust thereof. And anything that hurts the flesh is helping to crucify it. And we should be glad that that a message is coming from someone somewhere uh, that is not petting, feeding, that part of our life, but is helping us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I, I'm not saying this is going to necessarily hurt uh, any part of you today. Please stay tuned. Uh, but if it stings and hurts the flesh, any sermon, uh, any word from the Lord, any word that you read in Scripture, it is helping us to follow Jesus. Let's take it as such today. Praise God. Well, having said that, we're talking about uh, uh, shining uh, our light in a sin-darkened world. We're talking about arise, 
shine. That is the subject. You know, there is a saying, arise and shine to get people up in the morning. They got to get up in order to be about uh, their responsibilities and their opportunities. You can't sleep all day long and and seize the day <laughs> amen you can't stay asleep and and fulfill any responsibility as well so we want to be able to arise and shine as isaiah 60 says for our light has come when it talks about light coming in the Old Testament, it's talking about the presence of God being manifest in the midst of the people. And with all of the pressure and all of the problems and all of the circumstances uh, of Israel in the book of Isaiah, it is a reminder to them, Isaiah 60, beginning with verse 1, Arise and shine, for thy light has Come and the glory of the Lord once again indicating his presence. That's why, that's why the bush was on fire because God was speaking, uh, in the first person to Moses. Take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground, just being in proximity to this manifestation of the presence of God. And friend of mine today, God is with us in the midst of this terrible darkness. That's why Isaiah 60 relates to us directly because of the condition of that time is like the condition of our time. Listen to it. Arise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. God, amen. But preceding that, it said, Darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness, thick darkness, the people. And during that time, there's a tendency to either go with the flow or be intimidated by the darkness and put our light under a bushel. Oh, friend of mine, but Jesus said, no man lights a candle, puts it under a bushel, but lifts it high that all in the house may see. Let me read our foundational scripture, Philippians two fourteen through 16. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Listen, not just walking in that light and, and living out that light and manifesting that light, that truth, that revelation, that realization of the faith, but verse 16 says, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, holding forth the word of life. It is not just walking in the light, but it is sharing that light with others. Praise God. Amen. And let's read together this statement where we left off last time. I made the statement, want to read it from Scripture. Before I read it, I want to read something that I wholeheartedly agree with. And I can't give credit to the writer because I couldn't find who wrote it. But the quote is so important. And see if you can agree with me in this. We Christians are at a crisis point in our history just now. The Christian church is being shaken 
to its foundations by the rise of what we commonly call secularism, which is a vision of society that attempts to exclude God and all divine things from public life and related to secularism by the systematic dismantling of a Christian cultural consciousness that has been the cohering force in our Western society since the 4th century. All of this has created an identity crisis for we as Christians. This crisis, the rise of secularism and the casting aside of a Christian worldview. In other words, the emergence of the post-Christian society has created for us the urgency of confronting the fundamental question of our faith. Who are we? What does it mean to be a Christian? And what does it mean to be the church? And that this statement I made, and in light of that I'll make it again, the New Testament refers to these things in so far as they stand against God as the world. And the world is engaged in a struggle to the death in violent opposition to God and God's rule in the earth. The fundamental reality about the people of God is that we have been called to join God on His side of this struggle. And let me read now Joshua twenty-four fifteen in light of those statements. It said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day, whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods or the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Praise God. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The church has to be come apostate in order to join the world church that is coming and the world religion that is coming that will be fully manifest through the false prophet during the revelation tribulation period in the book of Revelation. So we must begin to stand right now to go against the flow. You see, letting our light shine involves living in distinct contrast to the world around us, following Christ instead of the culture, declaring our faith by obeying our Father, turning away from the darkness and embracing the light, celebrating our separateness instead of trying to fit in, becoming an upstream Christian in a down stream world. Praise God. Amen. That is the challenge today for every one of us. It was easier when I first became a Christian. I was 21 going on 20. Well, actually, I came to Christ when I was 12, but I didn't know what I had, and I didn't know who had me, and I fell away. But when I came back at 21 years of age, I came into a full-blown relationship with Jesus where I made a, a, a for me and my house commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And until this day, by the help of and grace of God, 
I have kept that commitment. I want to be able to say with Paul, when my race is run, amen, and I've been a Christian since I was 21 in the sense of a full-blown cross-carrying Christian. And by the way, if you're not a cross-carrying Christian, I question whether you're a Christian at all, because a true Christian will want to follow Jesus, even if it involves self-denial and cross-bearing, because that is the prerequisite, the imperative for becoming a true disciple of Jesus. And it's this following Jesus. You know, the Bible said in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, and be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love even as Christ, walking in obedience to God and walking in the love of God, walking literally in the Spirit, marks us as the children of God. And we become a light to the world about us because they see a faith that is worth keeping, a Father that is worth loving, a Jesus that is worth following. Praise God. Amen. And then the faith begins something that is shared with others without really trying to do much of anything except live it out. It's when people ask us the reason of our hope that we're able to share Christ with them. When they see in us something that the world just doesn't have and that can't be bought at any price, His peace, His joy, His fulfillment, hallelujah, a a love for Him that is greater than the love for the world about us. Listen to what Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen and 19 says. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth is given unto me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In your hearts, 1 Peter 3, 15 says, Set apart Christ as Lord, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have. But do this in gentleness and respect. You see, living out our faith and standing on our faith is the foundation for our influence over others. Someone has truthfully said, your life is speaking so loud, I can't hear a word that you are saying. That's why we're to make disciples, not just get people in church, whether they really want to serve God or follow God. Yes, get them saved, but the, the, the idea here is to get people to understand when we come to Christ as our Savior, we need to bow to Christ as our Sovereign. You know, we're talking about Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Really, it's presented in Scripture, our Lord and our Savior. And it's really important because a lot of people, according to Christ's own words on the day of when the judgment is really at hand and we have to face God, whether it be the white throne judgment or whether it be the the judgment seat of Christ in heaven, many 
at that great white throne judgment, according in Revelation 20, at that judgment of the ungodly and of the wicked and of the false prophet and of the devil and his, his cohorts and his fallen angels, at that final judgment and that final assigning where souls are going to spend eternity. Oh, friend of mine, many, many, this is what is so disconcerting to me. Many will say unto me, Jesus said, Lord, 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 Lord. They're calling him Lord, but they have never truly come to him as their Lord. They have never really turned from darkness to light. They have never really chosen Jesus over the devil. They have lived in a false security, and that's why preaching and teaching cannot leave out any part of the Word of God. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I've not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. We're in a day when the gospel has been not only perverted and polluted, but it has been watered down uh, to the point that one man said, which I wholeheartedly agree, uh, we've received. Many people have received such a mild form of Christianity. It has inoculated them against the real thing. And the real thing involves making Jesus the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Acknowledging him as your master, as your king. Hallelujah. There's a Paul would introduce himself in his letters as Paul the servant of Jesus Christ. The Greek word that is used there is stronger than what we think of as someone in some, uh, you know, maybe Downton Abbey type of situation where someone is, is there in his coat and tails to serve a servant girl in a household, a, a servant to a rich person. No, this word is stronger than that. Dulos. It literally means slave. And we don't want to be a slave to anyone. But I'm going to tell you something. If you really come to Christ as your Savior, you are happy to be His doulos. You're happy to be His servant. Because not only do you serve Him, you are brought into His royal family. You know, Jesus taught about that to balance this. He said, he said, I have not called you servants. I've not called you slaves. I've called you, I've called you children. I've called you my very own. I haven't called you servants. I've called you friends because a servant doesn't know what his Lord doeth. In other words, the servants would have to leave the room when family business was discussed. They were not privy to that. It had nothing to do with them. It was personal to the real, true family members. And he said, I haven't called you servants because you don't leave the room. In fact, he went on to say, everything the Father has belongs to me. I'm the bona fide qualified son of the living God, and when the Holy Ghost has come, he will take of mine, and he will shew it unto you, show it, S-H-E-W, which doesn't mean just reveal it, but actually, factually 
communicated unto you. Praise God. We are not servants, friend. Uh, we are sons who serve. There's a vast difference in the terminology. We should never reject that word. We should embrace it and embrace the principle involved that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And when we follow him with a full out, full blown commitment, amen, we can't help but shine to others around us. When we share our faith, the Holy Spirit becomes active and there is spiritual cooperation and strength to pierce the darkness. Even a stammering, stumbling witness from a sincere heart is a powerful force when God is involved. I wish I could I, I wish I could get this truth across. So many people are timid, afraid to witness because they're afraid that they're not theologically prepared and we should study to show ourselves approved. But share your testimony. Tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. <laughs> You'd be amazed how powerful that is when you speak it from absolute conviction in your heart that it is true because you have experienced that. I'm going to say that again. Even a stammering, stumbling witness from a sincere heart is a powerful force when God is involved. Listen to what Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 21. He said, As the Father sent me, so send I you. Amen. We need to take advantage of the opportunities God gives us to carry out this command. We also need to remember that we're never alone in the great calling He's given us. God is the primary evangelist, and His Spirit will fill and lead you and me. In St. Mark's Gospel, Jesus said, But take heed to yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues, and you shall stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear testimony before them. And the gospel must first be preached unto all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand for what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. I, I, I was counseling and praying for someone that had an, a court appearance coming and, and didn't know how they would fare when they were asked to speak. And I gave them this scripture. If we pray and we look to God, and we depend on the Holy Spirit, not our own intellect, ingenuity, amen, but the Holy Spirit. He will give us words of wisdom. He will give us words of truth. He will give us what we need to be a witness unto God's truth and to the God of truth. Hallelujah. Because He is the Spirit of truth Himself. Hallelujah. We can literally shine like lights in a sin-darkened world. 
and see the darkness have to be pushed back instead of becoming an all-consuming, intimidating force that it is today. What would happen if every Christian became bold as a lion? Well, if we became bold as a lion, then we wouldn't fear that lion, that toothless lion. Oh, yes, he can bite. Oh, I understand he can destroy, steal, kill, and destroy. The devil can do that. But I like what one great evangelist of old said. He said, the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, but Jesus pulled his teeth at Calvary. And while we applaud that statement of truth about the victory that is ours in Christ and over the devil, he said, but the shame is that a toothless devil is gumming many Christians to death, is winning. Listen, I believe it's distinctly because we are not ultra-dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the authority of Jesus' name in prayer. Oh, friend of mine, there's victory over the devil today. Hallelujah. But it's because of the victory that Jesus won for us at the cross. And there's victory over his powers today because greater is he, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of truth who is indwelling us than he that is in the world. Praise God. That's why this scripture in Second Corinthians 10, verse 3 and 5 is so important. It says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I like the paraphrase. Let me read it quickly. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen, folks, we are not alone in this struggle. We are not alone in this battle. We're not alone when it looks like the whole world is rejecting God's light and truth. We have an ally in the Holy Spirit. We have a great ally because the light has risen upon us. God is with us. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible said they went everywhere preaching the gospel, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Hallelujah. Oh, when I walk behind a pulpit, I know I'm not walking there with my education, with my intellectual capability of making an outline or, or, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that we can do in ourselves. But I know the word must penetrate the darkness for the God of this world 
has blinded the minds of men. Oh, but the God of heaven and earth is a God of light and love and truth. And he can can push back that darkness, cause the scales to fall from those eyes and open those blinded eyes so that they can choose light over darkness, Christ over Satan, heaven over hell. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Holy Spirit can do his great work of convicting of sin and revealing the way out of that terrible, terrible prison house of darkness by coming to the only one that can save today. But a mighty one he is, Jesus Christ. If you've listened to this point and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your personal Savior, I pray right now for you. I pray that you will open your heart. I believe if you've listened to this point that God is opening your blinded eyes to see what you couldn't see before, to know who you couldn't know before, to know Jesus, to know Jesus, to know He is the way for yourself, the truth, and the life, to come to Him, commit to follow Him, repent of your sin, and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. And take up your cross. And follow Him all the way to the end of your days or to His coming. And He makes a commitment to you that is mutual. I will never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. We're not alone in the struggle. We're not alone in the battle. I will go with you. Our light has come and is risen upon us and shall be seen upon us. Well, our time is gone. Would you come back next week? And let's talk about Jesus.